Today's scripture reading comes from 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. You can find this on page 862 of your pew Bibles. First John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you, Christina. Yeah, I just actually wanted to start off by expressing my thanks to all the college folks for leading uh, service today. Um, I was actually just telling someone the other day about how blessed we are as a church to have so many um, gifted and talented college students, and I think not just college fellowship, but in general, like looking at the size of our congregation and just thinking about how many gifted and talented people we have, I think most other churches would just kill to have as many resources as we do. And so God's really blessed us, and we will truly appreciate that, and, and we pray that we would be using our resources and talents to, to maximize our potential and advancing God's kingdom and honoring God with them. Uh, so, but thank you, college students, for just your willingness to lead uh, this morning. Um, at the place I go to exercise, um, whenever I go, there's usually this one guy that's always there. Um, I walk in, and, and as soon as he sees me, you know, we say hi, he greets me, and, and we converse a little bit. Um, he doesn't work at the club. He's actually um, just a member, but he's like almost always there. Um, if you remember the TV show Cheers, if you're you know, old enough to remember that, he, I, I refer to this guy as like Norm, because he's just like Norm. Like there's this chair that he always sits in, and it's known to be his chair. When other people like sit in that chair when he's not there, they're like, oh, you're sitting in this person's chair. And he knows, you know, most of the members by name. When they come in, he greets them. Um, you know, he says hi to him. Very friendly guy. And he has some of these other uh, folks that join him in the lounge area. And they can just, like, sit and chat for long periods of time. Like, some of them will come in and, and exercise, but maybe they'll exercise for, like, 30, 40 minutes. But then they all gather around together again. And they could just sit there for hours, like chatting and, and just talking with each other. And, and actually, they're very, they're very good guys. They're very caring guys. Um, you know, I, I found out, like, you know, they, they do listening to their conversations and stuff that, you know, they really uh, care about each other. They look out for each other. They try to help each other. There's this one period 
um, where this one person in particular uh, wasn't there for a little while. I mean, if he's, if he's there every day and you see him, you notice when he's not there. And there's like a couple weeks when he wasn't there. And, and they found out actually that he was in the hospital. So when they found out he was in the hospital and, and he had surgery on his leg and things like that, I mean, the other guys spoke, to, spoke of him out of genuine concern. And some of them, I know, um, actually went to go visit him in the hospital. You know, so, so they're a good bunch of guys. They're really caring. And, you know, I find it's not just at the gym, but, you know, even when I go to places like Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts to, to go study and do some work, I find they're usually like these packets of people that are very well connected to that place. You know, people will know the baristas by name and vice versa. You know, they share stories and, and personal problems. Um, they laugh together. Sometimes they cry together. They rejoice when others rejoice and mourn, when others mourn, so to speak. And I was thinking about this, you know, I was questioning, like, would you call this fellowship, what these people have, this, this kind of caring community, if you want to call it that? Is this really fellowship? And I'll tell you, over the past year, as, as Max kind of alluded to in his prayer, our ICF leaders have been discussing this topic of fellowship, and and, and in doing so, we're trying to come to a greater understanding or, uh, to what this term really means and how to you know, just live out what God calls us to live out as a fellowship. You know, how are we to be in fellowship with one another? I mean, is it just like this caring community that I just described? Um, you know, what does scripture teach us about fellowship? Now, as kind of praying and pondering over what to preach on today, you know, God brought me to this particular passage that Christina just read because I find that it's a very good passage to address this topic of fellowship and what it really means to be in true biblical fellowship. Uh, you know, if you've attended church for a while, you, you're probably familiar with this term in the original language that we often use leaders, you know, teachers often use for fellowship. You know, in the Greek, this word koinonia is what is used uh, to, for, to describe fellowship. And even in our passage, whenever you see the word fellowship, it's a variant of this word koinonia. And so koinonia, you know, it, it has this base meaning of like a sharing in common, a common participation in something. Actually, in the larger uh, Greek world, koinonia was used to describe the sense of bonding and closeness that members had, be it in like a social organization or a religious organization. So in a sense, actually the scenarios I just described before, you could call it fellowship. But when we dig more into this passage, we find there is much more to true biblical fellowship than just a group of people that come together and, and care about each other. You know, yes, it is a sharing in common, but for true fellowship to take place, John is going to teach us that there are certain things that need to be shared for it to really count as fellowship. And the first thing that needs to be shared is common beliefs, common beliefs or a common theology. John's point in the first few verses of chapter 1 is that there is no fellowship without Christ. There's no fellowship without Christ. John's as you can kind of tell, starts off the letter as you were following along, he kind of starts off the letter by being a bit elusive. You know, he doesn't directly come out and tell us what he's talking about. He says, that which was from the beginning, in verse 2, the life appeared. And you're reading it and you're like, well, what is that 
which is from the beginning. What is the life? And then later in verse 2, he kind of elaborates a little more by saying, well, it's the eternal life, which was with the Father. And then in verse 3, he kind of spells it out a little more. He says, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus, in other words, is that which was from the beginning. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the one he speaks and he writes about. And I want you to pick up on how much John wants to emphasize his qualifications for speaking about and writing about Jesus. You know, in these first few verses, look at how many, you know, words he used to, to, to share his qualifications. You know, he said, Jesus is a person we've seen, we've heard, we've, been able, we've even been able to touch him. And so we see that John has this singular focus on wanting people to know about Jesus and wanting people to understand why he's more than qualified to speak about Jesus. And it's because, as it says in verse 4, he wants his audience to be able to have fellowship with him. Apparently what was going on back then was there was these false teachers, and they were claiming that, oh, they could be in fellowship with the church, they could be in fellowship with other believers, but they actually denied who Christ was. They denied the truth of the gospel. They were saying, you know, it was possible to have fellowship. But John's saying, no, it's not. Not without Christ. You can't have fellowship without Christ. Verse 3 says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And if you read the verse in reverse, uh, if you read this verse in reverse order, it kind of makes it even clearer. If I read it in reverse order, it would sound something like this. Because our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, the way we can cultivate fellowship with you or for you to join us in fellowship is for us to pro- proclaim that which we have seen and heard. In other words, Christ. And as we proclaim him, as you enter into a relationship with Jesus, this is how we are joined together. And fellowship. And one of the implications we've seen from this truth and have tried to apply to ICF is that, well, if this is a requirement for fellowship, then we must share the gospel. We must urge people to accept Christ so that we can be in fellowship with them. And right now I want to ask um, one of our ICFers, Connie, to kind of come up and share about how this, this point, this fellowship has kind of impacted her life. So, Connie, would you come up and share? Uh, my name is Connie, and I am a sophomore at Wellesley College, and I was given the opportunity to come up today to share a little bit about, I guess, what God and what ICF means to me in my life. And I think this would make more sense if I just gave you a little idea of what my life was like before I came to know Christ. Um, so prior to college, I've never been to church. Um, I didn't know who Jesus was. I didn't have a relationship with God. Um, I mean, I knew there was Jesus and there was God, but I was always confused about which one was more important. And I just never cared enough to look it up. So, yeah, I didn't know. And um, I never prayed, except for when I wanted something from God. And it wasn't like, oh, God, um, if this is in your will, please provide. It was more like a, fingers crossed God is going to give me what I want kind of thing. 
And um, that was my life before coming to college. And coming to college, I didn't think life was going to be any different. But one day in the dining hall, <laughs> um, my RA, my resident assistant, which is Ying, where's Ying? Oh, okay, she's not here. Um, she walked up to me and was like, were you praying? And I was just like, what? <laughs> and she goes, oh, no, no, I just, I saw you over there, and you were doing this with your hands. You were looking down. Were you praying? And I was like, no. <laughs> and she goes, and she looked really disappointed. But then in the next second, she was like, oh, but do you want to come to church with me? And I, and I was like, oh, um, okay. Um, um, okay. And she's like, oh, cool. Like, just fill out this form and I'll take you to church. And I was like, okay. And then at the time, I didn't know why I said okay. Um, and, but little did I know that that okay literally changed my life. And Ying, oh, she's not here. Oh, Ying. To this day, to this day, I'm so grateful that she had the courage to walk up to me and just say, come to church with me, because that takes bravery, and I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for her. So thank you, Ying. I love you. Um, but so that Friday, I came to ICF, and I met the people for the first time, and everyone was so nice and caring. And I thought to myself, I was like, wow, like, these people are so fake. Like... <laughs> I bet that they secretly hate each other. And I was like, okay, but this is nice. Like, I made some friends. Um, so, and then this goes into what Pastor Day was talking about, the difference between friends and fellowship. I had friends in the past, but um, never like the ones that I have in ICF. Um, I remember one night I was in my friend's room, and I was just stressed about school, about exams, about being away from home. And I was just about to fall apart, but I didn't because um, I held things in like I always did because my parents always taught me if you're going through something tough, like there's someone out there going through something so much tougher, so just suck it up and carry on. And I had that in my head, and that's what I did. But that night at one point, Lucy Shu, who was who's now graduated, she's gone, but she called me up and she asked me if I was doing okay. And... If any of you guys have ever heard Lucy's voice, she has the most soothing voice. And when I heard that, I was like, Lucy, I'm not doing that well. And she goes, okay, let me pray for you. And she did. And in the middle of her prayer, I just started crying so hard. I cried so hard. And I felt a sense of peace and a sense of comfort that I have never felt before Um and she helped me realize that um, I didn't have to be stressed. I didn't have to be so hard on myself. I just had to give it my best shot because God will provide. I mean, she uncovered a source of comfort, and that was God's will. Like, God has um, a plan for me. He has a perfect plan for me. And um, she showed that to me that night. And that night, I... I realized the power of prayer, and I was crying so hard. And I was in my friend's room, and she was just like, what the heck? <laughs> she's like, she's been on the phone for like five minutes, and she's crying. Like, are you, are you okay, honey? And I was just like, just, just, just give me a second. Just, I'll be okay. <laughs> and so 
And then I realized that the people in ICF, they are not fake. They're <laughs> one of the most genuine people I know. And this kind of love and care is just their love language. And the reason why they have the capacity to love on others, it's because God shows them the same kind of love. And they're really living a life where they're using Christ as an example. And once I found that out, I wanted so bad to be a part of this family. And um, it's been two years now, so I've been a Christian for two years. Um, and having a relationship with God is not easy. In fact, it's, it's one of the most complicated relationships I've ever been in. And it's been hard. There are just times where... I had doubts, I had questions, like I was reluctant to take that leap of faith, but I have a fellowship who will catch me when I fall, who will spend hours and hours and hours on the phone um, answering my questions, my annoying questions, and um, pray for me and will not hang up the phone until I feel better. And I'm not saying that ICF is just full of rainbows and unicorns and happiness it's not we're um we're far from perfect um but we have a desire to when things go wrong we work at it and we pray and um, we have a desire to treat everyone like a family and um just know that when things when through ups and downs when our friendships are in trial like things will be okay because god is in the root of our friendship and that is I think that that's what sets like this kind of friendship apart from all the ones that I've had in the past, and um, I think that's why um, that's what makes ICF so strong. Um, and standing here, I just want to thank you guys. Um, you guys have really showed me God's love for me, and um, thank you guys so much. I love you. Okay, Tani, we, we are so glad that you chosen to accept Christ and Christ has drawn you into the family so that you could be part of the fellowship with us. I just, I, hearing the story with Ying, I wish it was always that easy. Like, Ying, thank you. It's like, are you praying? No. Why would I pray? Okay, can you come to church with me? Okay. <laughs> I wish it was always so easy. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but thank you, Connie, for sharing. And once again, thank you for being um, part of our fellowship. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but we share the gospel not only because we hope that the person will accept Christ in order to receive salvation, but also so that we can have fellowship with them. This is how John says in verse 4, his joy is made complete. We preach to you so that you can come and accept Christ and we can be in fellowship with one another. It happened many years ago, but, but I still remember it so vividly. I was on an overseas um, short-term uh, mission trip serving at a camp, and after the camp was over, we had kind of what we called a reunion a couple days after the camp where we had all these attendees come together and just kind of have a time to, uh, or have a chance to spend time with them and, and, and share with them um, before you know we left the country. And I remember during this reunion, we had the attendees of the camp go around and just share one thing that they um, liked best about the camp. So, you know, a lot of them were going around, you know, saying things like how much they 
appreciated getting to know, you know, the other team members, how much they appreciated to know, uh, you know, getting to build relationships with other people, uh, the fun that we had, things like that. But there's this one guy. He, and it was when he, when it was his turn, he shares, the best thing about this camp is that my best friend Thomas accepted Christ. And we can now have this relationship with Jesus together. And I heard that, man, and I felt like I was about to cry at that time because, I mean, well, yeah, for one, I thought about the night when Thomas accepted Christ and how awesome that was. But as I was sitting there, I just was kind of looking down and thinking to myself, like, man, this guy gets it. I mean, he understands what it's all about, about seeing his friend and wanting his friend so much to come and come be a Christian so that they could have this relationship with Christ together. And so John would tell us to go and preach the gospel. Go and speak of Christ so that you may have true fellowship with friends and family members. But the other thing John would tell us is that it's not just on the basis of shared beliefs that you have true fellowship. There's another important aspect that's required for true biblical fellowship, and that is shared experiences. Because, you see, Christian fellowship is not just the passing association of people who share this common belief in Christ. It's not just a community where we come together and have just have intellectual consensus about who God is and, and agree to that. True fellowship, as one commentator put it, is a partnership, an experience. And there's two subpoints I want to make from this, these verses. John would teach us first in verse 6 that there is no fellowship without pursuing holiness. Once again, you had these false teachers, and in addition to denying the deity and incarnation of Christ, they were also teaching that sin didn't matter, since sin was just of this world, and it was of material things, and material things didn't really count. It was the spiritual things that counted. So you could do what you want, and sin didn't matter. And sin didn't affect your fellowship with God. But John, in verse 6, as we see, rebukes them. He says, we claim to have fellowship with God, Yet walk in darkness, we lie, and do not live by the truth. In other words, John's telling them, you guys are fooling yourself if you think this. Because you cannot have true fellowship without pursuing holiness in Christ. For those of you who've gone to see like plays, I mean, imagine yourself like at, a, at the playhouse before the play starts. And you see the stage, but the stage is all dark, and you can't see anything on the stage. And then as the play is about to begin, the spotlight comes up from above and it shines like on the main character. And so you see this main character, you know, encircled within this light. And then he gets up and the light starts moving and he starts moving with it. And he has to walk within that light and follow that spotlight to remain, you know, in in the light and, and be seen. And this is kind of a similar imagery that John would have us Get here. You know, in verse 5, he says, God is light. God is the spotlight that shines down. And if we were to remain in fellowship with God, we have to stay in the circle of light. And as the light moves, we move with it. If you're not in the light, he tells us you're in darkness. And in darkness, there's no fellowship with, with the light. So he urges us to remain in the light. Because this God of light expects his followers to live lives permeated by the light. Yes, and from the previous point, we also invite those who are in darkness to come into the light so that we can share in the light together. 
the light exposes um, sin and darkness, and our initial reaction is to shrink back. But often, those who step into the light find that they can receive grace and mercy and discover that when they step into the light, the light actually removes all our darkness, all our dark blemishes. So there is no aspect. There is no fellowship without pursuing holiness. And also there's no fellowship without shared experiences of Christ, without sharing together experience of Christ. Verse John seven, or in verse 7, John writes, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. The middle part of this verse is somewhat unexpected, because you would think John would write, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with God, or we have fellowship with God and his son Jesus, or something like that, you know. But instead of saying we have fellowship with God, he says we have fellowship with one another. Why does he do this? Well, keep in mind that John is addressing the situation where you have, once again, these people making these false claims, leading people astray, basically doing things that would fracture this community that they have. So John is telling his listeners, we must remain in the light of God so that we can continue to have this fellowship with one another. And this doesn't mean we just come together to compare our private, personal, spiritual walks. This means that fellowship is living and experiencing the Father and the Son together as believers. I like how one person put it. He said that Christian fellowship is actually a triangular relationship when you think about it. It's my life in fellowship with God your life in fellowship with God, and our lives in fellowship with one another. So to live this out, we must be coming together to share experiences about Christ. He must be the focus when we gather together. And as we've discussed this in ICF, we recognize that the implication is such that we must strive to build relationships that shift from just speaking about worldly attractions to those that focus and build upon our relationship with Christ. So I'm going to ask another ICF for Alan to come up and kind of share his testimony about that. Good morning, everybody. Uh, My name is Alan Sue. Uh, I'm a freshman at Brandeis University. Um, You may also have heard me being affectionately referred to as Tammy's little brother. Um, Either way, I'm very blessed to be here um, sharing with you all about my experience here at ICF this past year and to give you an idea of how this college fellowship has impacted my life. As a kid, uh, I grew up in the church and attended Sunday school. Um, After moving to uh, New York from Seattle in middle school, uh, I began to be involved in the youth fellowship. Um, I would help lead worship by playing guitar, um, organize events, and help up help with equipment setup, you know, et cetera. Um, all this time, however, I was living as a weekend Christ follower. Gasp. Um, my relationship with Christ was only apparent 7 to 10 p.m. on Friday evenings and 10.30 to 12 Sunday mornings. Outside of church, our fellowship hangouts, retreats, and other outreach programs would be extra. My life didn't look very much um, different than any non-believer on any other day. In my head, I knew that the Bible um, was to have absolute authority and importance in my life. But in reality, I lived without an urgent desire to hear God's very own words and to apply them in my life. 
Um, likewise, prayer was um, said occasionally um, before meals, before going to bed, um, usually asking and never really quite involving thanksgiving, praising, or even repenting. It really wasn't until coming to college and ICF did God open my eyes to my very um, disobedient and even hypocritical lifestyle. Before attending Brandeis, um, I remember praying to God that he would provide means of transformation uh, for my life, especially through people I would meet in college. And I'm blessed to say that our Heavenly Father has shown me his love and care so clearly um, this past year by providing me older brothers and sisters in my life to disciple me and to hold me accountable in living a life uh, fully abandoned to Christ. Uh, I especially want to um, thank and acknowledge um, Eric Ye and Nathaniel Ting um, just for their willingness to disciple me this past year. Um, through their personal investment in my life, they have shown me um, what it means to be a true disciple and follower of Christ. Um, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, um, Paul urges the believers to imitate him as he himself is an imitator of Christ. Um, through their personal relationships with Christ and their disciplined lives, um, these two mentors truly provide an example for younger brothers, like myself, um, to look up to and to emulate in their lives. Eric and Nate both live in ways which exemplify Christ's desire and command for us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Um, being an ICF, God has blessed me with brothers and sisters who are passionately in love with Christ and are willing to follow him, um, even in a college setting which is often hostile to our own faith. Um, because I have these loving brothers and sisters to support and encourage me, I know that while staying faithful may be difficult at times, God provides fellowship to help us persevere and to uplift one another. In fact, Hebrews 10, 24-25 um, says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Um, it's really been unreal that I've only been here um, at ICF for a year, um, because God has already done so many things in my life um, in the relatively short span of time spent here in fellowship. Um, God will only continue to transform lives of young men and women and to call them to live a truly satisfying life, spend intimate relationship with him as they continue to stay obedient to the mission God has called them to. Thank you very much. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate the sharing. Hey, Alan mentioned, you know, guys like um, Eric and Nathaniel, and I know, you know, firsthand that as they meet up together, I mean, they do focus on their shared experiences as Christians, their shared experiences of Christ. And as I think about it, I, you know, I wonder how much do our shared experiences of Christ enter into our conversation with other Christians? You know, if I were uh, an outside observer listening to many of our conversations or looking at what we post on our social media sites, I would deduce a few things from what I see and hear about what we think is important for us to talk about. Um, there'd be things like food, um, tech toys like phones and uh, cameras and other technology. Um, there'd also be food, um, maybe a little sports mixed in. Uh, maybe pictures of our kids and our families and what our kids do. And surprise, surprise, more food. And 
Yes. <laughs> and you know, when I think about it, it's like, what do, what does this convey? And is this what we really want to be conveying as believers? And I was thinking earlier as I was preparing this, like, what if Facebook existed during the apostles' times? What kind of things would the apostles post, you know? Well, we see Paul like, you know, I was on this missions trip to Athens, and in Athens we stopped at this great restaurant that served great euros, and here's a picture of my euro plate. You know, doesn't that look awesome? You know, I mean, I don't know if Paul would really post that. You know, more likely Paul would be posting things like, here's a picture of the jail cell I was sent to, you know, when they arrested me for preaching the gospel, or here's a picture of me with the jailer. You know, I want you guys to see a picture of him because... I shared the gospel with them when I was in prison, and he accepted Christ, so welcome him into the family. Isn't this great? You know, I think that's kind of the stuff the apostles would be posting, more so than pictures of food and restaurants and gadgets and things like that. You know, and maybe some of you are like, well, you know, we discuss spiritual things in my small group, or, you know, that's what my accountability group is for, and yeah, that's true. I, I think that's great that, that we have those things, but... You know, I think from this passage, John would be challenging us to something higher. You know, I think John would tell us that even as Christians, if we get together and just discuss things like food or work or our toys, you know, he's like, don't call it fellowship. He says that they may be socializing or fraternizing. You know, in Hawaii, we use the term talk story because that's what they would say in Hawaii. But he would tell us, you know, it's not fellowship. You know, even if a group cares a lot about each other, it may not be fellowship. For how is that you know, different than the guys at my gym or at Starbucks or the neighborhood bar? You know, many years back, before like, Starbucks was even around, John Stett wrote this in one of his books. He said, The neighborhood bar is possibly the best counterfeit there is to the fellowship Christ wants to give the church. It's an imitation dispensing li- liquor instead of grace, escape rather than reality but it is a permissive, accepting, and inclusive fellowship. It is unshockable. It is democratic. You can tell people secrets, and they usually don't tell others or even want to. The bar flourishes not because most people are alcoholics, but because God has put into the human heart this desire to know and be known, to love and be loved. And so many seek it at a counterfeit price of a few beers. So true fellowship not only requires that we just share common beliefs together, but that we share in common experiences as we go on our journey with Christ. Without Christ, we just become this neighborhood bar. So we walk together as we go on our own spiritual journey, sharing our experiences. Like Alan said, not that all of us have any of the answers, but we journey together and go in pursuit of them. You know, one thing I find about social media is that because it allows us to just post things instantaneously, it makes the trivial seem important. It's like, oh, now that I can post this picture, it's important, and I can let everyone know. But, you know, you guys who have, like, Facebook accounts, especially, like, some of you younger people, like, don't post things like what you ate for breakfast this morning, because we don't really care, you know? <laughs> I don't care that you ate Lucky Charms or Fruit Loops for breakfast, you know? And I don't need to see a picture of the bowl of your Lucky Charms or Fruit Loops. You know, just because we can post pictures doesn't make it important. And, you know, it's not that sharing any of these things are necessarily wrong, 
But once again, Jan is challenging us to go deeper in our fellowship with one another. And deep inside, you know what's important. I mean, as you reflect on your own relationships and past conversations, you've probably had dozens of conversations about food and movies and different things, but you don't remember too much about those conversations, I bet. But you can easily recall conversations where you've shared each other with each other about Christ and you've had these life-on-life experiences about Christ and you were able to mutually encourage and support one another. You remember these things because you know it's what's important. And so as we have challenged our college students to go deeper in their relationships with one another, so the challenge is for the rest of us to do the same. You know, as we go through this week, and converse with other believers. You know, let's be mindful of the kind of things that we talk about, the kind of things that we post. Do, do our conversations focus on Christ and our experiences of Christ because we seek to make much of Christ? Or do they focus more on worldly things because that is what interests us more? You know, for ICF, we really strive and pray and seek to be a fellowship that is truly a fellowship that is truly worthy to be called a fellowship because we have shared beliefs in Christ and we seek to have outsiders come into the saving knowledge of Christ. We seek to be worthy of being called a fellowship because we have shared experiences where we encourage each other in our spiritual journeys and we pursue lives of holiness together. We want to do these things so that when people say we are a fellowship, they can look at us and we can know that we are really a fellowship in the biblical sense. And so that's the challenge for us, as individuals, corporately, in our own respective fellowships, you know, be it the youth, or cares, or compass, or home groups. That's the challenge for us, to share in our common beliefs, but more so than that, to share in our common experiences so that we can truly have, engage in what the Bible calls fellowship, and for our fellowship groups to really mirror and exemplify what the Bible calls fellowship, to really be a fellowship group. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would continue to teach us in this passage. I thank you, Lord, for your word and the truth of your word and for showing us as ICF leaders and as we've continued in this journey this past year what it really means to be a fellowship and what it really means to engage in true fellowship with one another. Thank you for those that have been mentioned this morning of people who understand what it really means and seek to go deeper by sharing experiences of Christ, by helping others in this journey, by encouraging us and and motivating us to live in a greater way than we are now and to help us know that through Christ we can live beyond what we can do on our own. Father, continue to teach us on this passage and these truths. Help us to think about them as, as we think, as each of us thinks about the own, our own fellowship group that we are in. Like how closely we mirror what scripture teaches us as having fellowship. And may we strive to be communities which, uh, which exemplify just 
what this true fellowship is because it is based on Christ in our conversations, in our discussions, and our hearts are focused on what Christ would have for us. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Pastor David.